0: Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Stan R. Mitchell, and you're listening to the View from the Front podcast, a show about military and defense news, as well as some history, motivation, and wisdom. Because who doesn't need all the motivation they can get at least once or twice a week? Every Tuesday and Friday, I discuss military and defense news, as well as some history, motivation, and wisdom, and I do all of this from a moderate perspective. As I said, my name is Stan R. Mitchell and I sometimes jokingly uh, say that I'm a prior infantry Marine who dropped the sword and picked up the pen. After joining the Marine Corps at the age of 17 to serve four years in the infantry, I exited military service, earned a degree, and spent 10 years as a journalist learning about our government and how it works. I went on to become an author and have written 11 books to date, and now I'm here, a -a twice-a-week podcaster who's still in love with both this country and the news, and I see this podcast as a small way to continue serving our country, doing my best to inform and unite us in a time that we're as divided as we've probably been in a hundred years. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really enjoy talking about military matters and history, as well as some motivation to help inspire and lift you up. I truly am honored that you're here. I will also say our democracy doesn't work if we don't have informed voters, and that I think foreign policy decisions are the most important decisions that we face as a country. They lead to greater consequences, such as more deaths, higher spending, etc. Foreign policy decisions can be tragic and heartbreaking, and it's important that we get them right. And when we get them wrong, such as when we did in Vietnam, then the faster that we can course correct, the faster we can reduce how many lives we lose. I don't claim to have all the answers. But I do think much can be gained from discussing these issues and creating a community where we intelligently discuss the troubles confronting us, and where we work to come closer together and respect each other's views with more patience and kindness. A house divided cannot stand, and I strongly believe that more unites us than divides us. I will not remain silent while politicians seeking their own personal gain try to throw gas on a dangerous fire doing their best to tear apart this country so that they can advance to a higher office. Our country has stood together for more than 240 years, and it's only together that we can pass on a better future for our kids. With that small opening out of the way, let's get to today's edition. This is the August 26th edition of The View from the Front, and we're really glad to have you here. Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to, please consider subscribing. At a minimum, subscribe to the podcast through whatever channel you're listening to us on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Pocket Cast. All of my podcasts are free, but if you really want to be a rock star and support what we're doing, you can sign, uh, sign up at my Substack for $5 a month. Not only will that help c- encourage and sustain what we're doing here, as well as hopefully make it a little better, but it will also get you the Tuesday post on Tuesday. The Tuesday posts are available to everyone, but they're delayed by one day. Unless you're a paid subscriber. That way it will encourage folks to support what we're doing here if they can. But also I don't really want to penalize anyone if you can't make that $5 a month payment. At most you're waiting an additional day for the content. Normally I might share just a tad bit of personal news here. But honestly we have so much news today that I'd rather just get straight into the show. Uh, So let's begin with Ukraine. Uh, The invasion of Ukraine by Russia obviously. Uh, I wanted to go over several things there, and let's just begin with the first one. You may have seen the news that Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin, decided to increase the size of the armed forces of Russia by 137,000. He tried to make a pretty big deal out of that, and um, I guess his goal is to try to scare Ukraine or the West into seeing the determination and the mighty strength of the Russians. Uh, I'm not so sure that's the uh, way it's going to play out. But wanted to share one quick thing from an uh, analyst. His name is Rob Lee. He's a prior Marine. Uh, he's working on his Ph.D. at the War Studies uh, College in um, the United Kingdom. And uh, he's focused on Russian defense policy. And he shared a quick thread on Twitter that uh, says there's no way for Russia to easily increase its number of troops despite this proclamation. Uh, he explained that it's not as simple as just drafting more soldiers, that... Um, Russia's lost a lot of officers and NCOs, as we all know, through this war, and that the uh, conscripts will be, you know, poorly trained, and they do have to have decent officers to function. Uh, One other good point he made, he said that the Russian ground forces uh, committed 80% of its permanent readiness units to the war in February and March, and uh, he talked about how each biannual draft will have conscripts who have even less training, and uh, so... Putin can put out this proclamation, but the reality is that uh, it's not going to have the effect that he thinks it's going to have. So I definitely wanted to share that that uh, thread to his Twitter um, account, and uh, it's about six or so uh, tweets. Uh, You can find that in the source notes, as you all know. Every week I put most of the stuff in the source notes. I apologize; I don't have time to type those up, but you can always fact check me by checking the uh, source notes, and of course. I would suggest if you're into this stuff and you get on Twitter much, these are great people to follow. The next thing I wanted to share were a few points that uh, General Mick Ryan made. He's a retired Major General in the uh, Australian Army. He's been commenting a lot and following the war closely, and uh, he has lots of uh, big-time credentials to his name. So I won't go into all those, but I wanted to share just a few points he made about this as well. General Ryan was commenting on the anniversary of Ukraine's independence, and he shared a couple of things I wanted to say as clearly as I could, which is that for President Putin, that he sees Ukraine as a non-state, one that was quote entirely created by Russia. Such justifications, which parallels China's claim on Taiwan, represent a thin veneer of legitimacy employed by authoritarians to squelch out democratic exemplars on their border. Such claims demand increased Western investment in the diplomatic, informational, economic, and military aspects of national power to deter, to deter further aggression in the future. In his remarks, he also discussed that um, alliances are good, that the West has been caught a little uh, flat-footed on its defense capability. Uh, we, we're learning that we've got a lot of these missiles and you know artillery rounds stockpiled, but as we've delivered them, to Ukraine, it's increasingly apparent that we can't produce this stuff very quickly. So he mentions that that's something that a lot of analysts have discussed. But he also mentions something that it's easy to forget, which is that uh, that there have been polls in a number of Western countries, including Australia, numerous ones in Europe, and obviously in America, that show strong support for uh, helping uh, Ukraine as much as it can as it fends off the Russians. And he's talked about how that's waned in previous years. But I think the aggression by Putin has clearly awoken uh, most, uh, you know, most folks. I almost said educated folks, but you don't even really have to be educated. But anyone keeping up with the news can see the repeated patterns by Vladimir Putin and what he's done through his aggression, whether it's invading Chechnya, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. So I think uh, the West has woken up. And he made one final point I wanted to touch on, which is that uh, he says, machines and tools do not win wars. Humans do. This war has offered many lessons on the human ingenuity, teamwork, and leadership that remains the key to deterring and winning wars. And um, so I think that's something we all forget. We've talked about Javelin missiles. We've talked about the HIMARS, those multiple launch rocket systems. But in the end, the Ukrainians have shown that... uh, you still got to have troops who are dug in, who can endure the artillery bombardments, who can make it through the cold nights, the wet nights, etc. And uh, that leads me into one quick point I want to make as well. There was a photo that went viral from Ukraine, uh, and it shows a couple of soldiers from the 58th uh, Mechanized Brigade of the Ukrainian uh, Armed Forces. And they're sleeping in this small hole, and they're on top of each other, Neither man can fully extend their legs. They're wrapped in sleeping bags. Uh, it's the kind of photo you look at and you're like, "One, how does anyone sleep like that?" But you can also kind of look at it and, and be like, eh, that looks a little, you know, a little too silly." Or uh, it's 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 not what you. It's not like the stereotypical movie type look of what soldiers look like. And it's a photo that it's hard to um, understand unless you've been that cold. Unless you've been that wet, unless you've been that scared, it's hard to uh, conceptualize the brotherhood that happens in war. But that one photo, and I've put it in the source notes. If you get a chance to go look at it, it's something that a lot of people, some of the trolls, so to speak, were making fun of it. But you know, I've I've been that cold. I've been cold enough that like two guys got to get in a sleeping bag together because you got hypothermia. Uh, anyone who's been in the infantry knows that. It's, it's not easy on a good day to be in the infantry. And that brought me to the point that I wanted to make, which is retired Major John Spencer has shared a photo that had been a viral photo of a soldier that's he's got 100 pounds worth of weight on his back. And um, he talks about his unit was actually the one photograph that the soldier was in. And he talks about that night. And it was a combat jump into Iraq. And he talks about how tired that he was, uh, and he's, he's been through ranger training. He's done, you know, all kinds of physical things from marathons, et cetera, but walking in the mud, carrying that pack, dealing with what they dealt with. And you can just see it in the photo that I've shared as well, this army soldier, the absolute dead dog fatigue, the look of someone who's been so scared, so drained of adrenaline, so everything that you almost don't care if you live or die, I certainly never did anything quite to that level, but I spent two days in combat. I spent the three days scared beforehand, and i've I've been that scared. You've been to that point where you don't care. you and it's the most fatigued, tired state you can possibly be in. And I'm only sharing this just because I had had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter with a a Navy seal named Chuck Fair, and he talked about how seals have so much respect for infantry marines, and that you know he's been in tough spots with Marines and that he knows how much infantry goes through. So I'm just trying, I guess, to make the point that we all, you know, highlight the special forces and the incredible things they do. But a lot of times those special forces, um, they have a little bit better training. They usually have better gear. They usually, while they do push themselves on the missions, they usually end up getting to go back to the rear, get showered, get cleaned, get some food in them. They get good mission briefings. They generally know what's going on a little bit better. And I'm not trying to disparage any of that, but I'm just saying that I think a lot of people forget just the common grunt and the uncertainty, the fear, the sleepless nights, being that wet, being that cold, being that scared, not knowing what's going on, dealing with artillery and bombardments. It is just constant for infantry that are on the front line. And uh, I wanted to share one final thing from a Marine officer who who I was talking with and he said that, uh, I'll just read it. Everybody always believes they're the baddest person out there, and they sometimes buy the Navy SEAL propaganda or special forces propaganda. He said, but the truth is the rubber meets the road with the infantry. The daily grind of war is where grunts spend days fighting ambushes and clearing buildings and bunkers and going toe-to-toe with the bad guys. Those guys are the real, I'll just say, badasses. I just had some thoughts Uh, And so he goes on to a little bit more. But I think it's just uh, anyway, I guess that's my just shout out as a prior infantryman to the other infantry out there who've done their hard time, but also to those in Ukraine that are literally holding the lines. And, you know, as a major retired major, uh, Mick Ryan said, Major General, in the end, someone's got to go toe to toe against these Russians. Someone's got to hold the line. Someone's got to endure the fires that are, are caused by the artillery. They've got to deal with the explosions, the screaming shells, the, you know, the lack of sleep, the poor food. Someone's got to hold the line. And in the end, we have unbelievable technology assisting them. But we also have to absolutely recognize the incredible fighting spirit of the Ukrainians and how they are holding the line against a larger force that uh, on paper should have been able to take Ukraine fairly easily, as most analysts believed, but in the end, both the fighters and infantry have held the line, but also the civilians have helped support them, and the civilians have done their own courageous things, from reporting Russian troops, recording them, calling in tips, etc., etc. Okay, I apologize, I went a little bit more into that than I had planned, but I guess I'm a prior infantry guy, and infantry stuff is something that's really close to my heart. Moving along, there continues to be lots of discussion about the uh, nuclear plant, which is the largest in Europe that the Russians currently occupy, uh, and how the Ukrainians are worried about some type of a disaster. And I guess it's not just the Ukrainians, the entire West uh, and the UN and, and really the world. So I'll share, I wanted to share, and it's in the source notes, a video from CNN. One thing I hadn't um, completely realized is that the power plant is literally stopping the advance of the Ukrainians as they try to push further south. And so the Russians are kind of using this as a hardened point that the Ukrainians can't really attack for fear of some kind of a nuclear uh, disaster. I almost don't want to use the word disaster. I'm not trying to scare people, but something that could cause a leak or some type of bad situation. It's not like there's going to be some kind of massive explosion or something, but still a a Chernobyl-type meltdown or something like that is definitely not a good thing. But I always want to be careful not to scare people. I don't like when the media hops up stuff or scares people. So I'm not talking about like a nuclear explosion, but some type of a radiation leak or a meltdown. So that's kind of uh, holding up the Ukrainians. I've got the video in the source notes if you want to watch that. I did want to also announce the news that we, we being America, the Department of Defense announced another $3 billion in additional security assistance for Ukraine. Includes lots of... Uh, Things, 200 plus thousand uh, rounds of 155 millimeter ammunition, which is important since this has become an artillery war. They've they are sending six uh, surface-to-air missile systems. I don't. I'm not real familiar with them, so I'm not going to pretend I am, and I didn't get a chance to research them. They're called National Advanced Surface-to-Air Missile Systems. I don't know how close these are to being as good as Patriots, but apparently it's a pretty big deal according to some of the analysts on Twitter. We are sending a 65,000 rounds of 120-millimeter mortar ammunition, 24 more counter-artillery radars. Those are huge, which means every time the Russians fire, these radars can kind of detect back where the uh, rounds originated from. And then quite quickly, as the Ukrainians get better and better trained, the Americans are certainly good at this. You can fire back at the place that originally launched those rounds and knock out those uh, um, mortar or, or artillery teams. So those are huge, the 24-counter artillery radars. but uh, And there's a few other little things, but uh, another $3 billion, which I'm super appreciative of, that will uh, probably do much more to continue to wreck the dreams of Vladimir Putin. So that was huge. Also, on the source notes, I'm, I am put in a link from President Zelensky. Uh, he, again, we've talked about in the past few weeks how increasingly Ukraine is saying it's going to, to not stop fighting until it takes back every inch, because otherwise the Russians will just wait a year or two and then reinvade again, as they've done three times since uh, since 2014. But uh, in that article, he says that Donbass, and Donbass is that uh, region on the eastern part of Ukraine where there's been lots of fighting and artillery duels, but he says, this is President Zelensky, Donbass is Ukraine, and we will return it. Crimea is Ukraine, and we will return it. So... I've talked before that kind of in my wish list is I would love it if the Ukrainians were able to actually go back and reclaim the Crimean Peninsula. And originally it was kind of just like analysts speculating that it'd be really great if that happened, but increasingly the Ukrainian government seems to be saying we're going to do that. On that same note, and this is huge news, uh, President Erdogan of Turkey, who's been a um, kind of a... Faltering partner of NATO, I guess, is the most diplomatic way to say it. He actually gave an address, and um, he's you know he's gotten a little closer to Putin in the past few years. It's made some in NATO weary and leery, or whatever the right word is, and um, including buying a um, some anti-air missiles. And Turkey's kind of been in a tough spot as far as uh, with NATO, but uh, he came out and said that pres- uh, that Vladimir Putin is required by international law to leave Crimea and give it back to Ukraine. So that is absolutely huge. Uh, not sure exactly what changed, but ever since uh, Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, Turkey has increasingly turned away from Russia, and they have increasingly moved back toward the West. They've sent some drones to Ukraine. They won't sell those same drones to Russia. They have helped assist with the getting the grain out of Ukraine, which I'm sure is something that Vladimir Putin wasn't too happy about. And I am confident he's not happy about what uh, President Erdogan just said. If you also remember, for the longtime listeners, it was a few weeks ago, I posted that video where President Erdogan completely embarrassed uh, Vladimir Putin, and he made him stand in front of all the cameras for, I don't remember if it was two minutes or what, but it was a total jerk move. It was a great move. It was a power move. And um, I'm sure that uh, Vladimir Putin wasn't too happy with that. So uh, glad to see that uh, President Erdogan said that. I'm not the biggest fan of him. He's definitely a strong man. He's definitely abused his power. But uh, I guess that, that, you know, as the old saying goes, the friend of your friend versus the friend of your enemy. And at this point, as long as he's against the Russians, I'm, I'm happy about it for now, at least. Also, on the source notes is a link to an article from uh, Patrick Fox, who's another. Uh, military analyst. It's a great article. Uh, and he talks about that. Uh, we've talked a lot about the potential offensive of Ukraine into the southern part, into Kherson, which would then open things up to potentially eventually move into cri- the Crimea area or the Crimean Peninsula. But he says in that article that Russia has about 20,000 troops trapped with the backs to the river. That river is that Dnieper River. Uh, and he said that there's basically two options, which is a frontal assault or a siege. And he is saying what many many analysts have said, which is most likely the Ukrainians are going to do some type of siege and hopefully cut off these troops. So that would be great news for Ukraine. That reinforces things that I've said in previous um, podcasts, speculation mostly, that um, it'll be probably some type of a siege-type cut-off-these-troops deal. And um, so hopefully that's what the Ukrainians are working on. They've certainly taken out the bridges, And I would say there are a lot of worried Russians right now who are on the other side of that river. Moving to a different topic, I wanted to briefly say just a couple of things about China and the position or possible increasing tensions around Taiwan. The New York Times had a great article about how China could choke Taiwan, and I wanted to give a hat tip to uh, David Mitchell, who's a distant cousin of mine. I've never actually met the gentleman, but he lives in Texas and every now and then is very kind and sends uh, links and um, he had sent a link to this article, which I would missed. But uh, one thing I didn't realize is, and I'll just read from the article from the New York Times, just two paragraphs here. Taiwan's geography leaves, its vul- leaves it vulnerable to a blockade. Its population, industry, and ports are concentrated on its western flank closest to China. China could impose a blockade by sending troops or sending ships and submarines to prevent vessels from entering or leaving Taiwan's ports. It could use warplanes and and missiles to dominate the skies. So... I've got a link to that story to the New York Times, but I also put in, I did some research, and I found a population density map of Taiwan. So there's an image that's worth going to the source notes and looking at, and you can see that the vast majority of the population is on the side closest to China. So that would complicate some type of conflict if that happens, and it's something that I'm sure the West is already looking at as China increasingly seems to be working on how it would blockade something. I will say that as someone who's trying to keep up with this a little bit, the idea of a blockade is the one thing that honestly scares the the crap out of me because if they were to do some type of blockade it puts the west in the uh difficult position of we would have to be the one to block the uh to basically stop the blockade and there's not a lot of ways to stop a blockade other than sending ships and being the first to act so it would make china appear not to be the aggressor so a blockade is something that Constantly worries me because I'm not real sure what the U.S. would do if a blockade was established. Uh, hopefully, China doesn't do such a thing. I am confident our military and all our planners have already been wargaming such a thing. And I know world opinion would quickly turn on China. And I'm hoping that China will, and they might be seeing some signs, but I'm hoping that they will try to re enter the more responsible countries. But um, sometimes you'll see a clue or two that maybe they are, and then sometimes. Like with all these ships around Taiwan, it, it looks like they, they're they making decisions that aren't going to end well. So who knows what the exact truth is on that. Finally, I definitely want to say just a few words about our troops in the Middle East. Uh, there's been some strikes happening in Syria, and I've got links to both press releases from CENTCOM. Definitely go read those if you get a second. Um, the strikes are happening back and forth. I've also inserted a map so that you can see where in Syria these troops are. They are spread out, and um, some of the Iranian militias. Things are getting a little testy there. And you know, on that note, there was a um, a great quote from Senator Chris Murphy who said, he's, it's time to rethink the wisdom of having so many Americans spread so thinly, because I'll be honest, the troops are very what, very they're spread thin, and so it's starting to get a little dicey over there, and I think lawmakers are increasingly getting a little nervous on it. So I've put all those links in just so you can familiarize yourself with where they are, read about those recent strikes and the counter-strikes. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the question because uh, from the senator because it's, I think, Congress's role to ask questions and to make sure, you know, we're kind of following a hodgepodge policy that's been in place definitely through Trump, and probably going back to uh, President Obama, where I don't know that we have a real strategy in Syria at this point, and it's probably time that we get one, but great stuff there. I'll try to research that more and dig into it just a bit more, and then one final thing before we get to um, the motivation and wisdom, which is always the best part of any episode. A couple of things. Afghanistan, we talked a couple weeks ago. I've got a link to the kind of If you missed it, it's worth listening to. I get a little emotional, but I'll talk about our withdrawal from Afghanistan. So I got a link to that if you want to see it. But there was a comment or a um, press release from the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and he talked about you know honoring the thirteen who died during the withdrawal, and a reminder that during that suicide bombing, one hundred seventy Afghans civilians died, and also a reminder that two thousand four hundred and sixty-one U.S. military folks uh, passed in what was the longest war of this nation's history in Afghanistan. So if you want to hear my thoughts on the withdrawal and, um, decision, the strategic decision, definitely check out the link from, I believe it was a week or so ago, August 21st, got the link there. Uh, got a lot of great feedback from veterans and, um, they thought that, uh, they appreciated my comments. I try to walk the line. I try not to get emotional. But uh, it's a it's a tough tough topic. So if you missed that, hey, it's worth listening. It's about a 10 minute discussion on it, and I try to be as respectful as I can because it was a uh, it's still something that is an emotional painful wound for hundreds of thousands of veterans who served there or who lost friends there. As usual, I posted in the source notes as well some bonus material. This is stuff I didn't get to today. I'm going to name two of them. There'll be other items there as well, but I didn't get a chance to name them all in the recording. But one thing is an article from Task and Purpose. It's kind of story you can't make up, but it talked about, uh, it's a great story about the U.S. military is still missing six nuclear weapons that were lost decades ago. Yes, I said that correctly. That was not a mistake. So the U.S. military is still missing six nuclear weapons that were lost decades ago. You can click the link, read that. Also posting a video to uh, from CNN of former Trump National Security Advisor Ambassador John Bolton talking about Uh, Iran's threats against America. We haven't really got to talk about Iran recently, but the Iran thing and whether there's going to be another nuclear deal, what their ambitions are, what the Israelis may do or not do, all of that is something that you could spend hours on. But there's a link to the comments from him. You can explore that. I'll throw some other things in there as well. And with all of that said and done, let's move to the motivation and wisdom portion. As I say every week, uh, I'm just going to read this list of quotes. These are from various accounts on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, I recommend you follow them. There's some great stuff out there that will help feed your mind and soul as the week goes on. So here's here's a list of them. We're just going to work our way down it. The first one. Your thoughts shape your future. Another. A disciplined mind brings happiness. Another. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. Another. It's never too late to become what you might have been. Another. Wake up with energy and optimism. New opportunities are waiting for you today. Another. Always be kinder than you feel. Another. I don't believe in being serious about anything. I think life is too serious to be taken seriously. That was a quote by Ray Bradbury. He's an author. Another. Don't chase. Don't beg. Don't stress. Don't be desperate. Just relax. That is a good one for me. I am always way too high strung. Another. Never feel sorry for yourself. Greatness is in you. Another. Another. You're always one decision away from a totally different life. Ooh, I hope that hit someone today. Another. Believe in your vision, no matter what anyone says. Great one. Another. You weren't born to just pay bills and die. Live up to your fullest potential. Again, I hope that hit someone right in the face, honestly. Uh, and finally, we will end with another one from um, so last uh, edition on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what your subscription level is and when you got to actually hear it. Former Sergeant Major Anthony Spadero had shared a uh, great quote, and I had shared that. And I had mentioned to him that I had shared his quote, and I said, I, I butchered your name because I was taping it live, and I was on a time crunch. And at any rate, he took it all in, in good... Uh, in good humor. Thank goodness he didn't thrash me or anything, as uh, sergeant majors can sometimes do. Although sometimes, by the time someone's a sergeant major, they've chilled out a little bit. When I got out, I was still a very mean sergeant, so you know he, he might not have thrashed me. But anyway, he'd probably say I was uh, trying to overachieve by doing this podcast twice a week. But uh, he sent another one, and I wanted to say the quote from last week or from Tuesday. I apologize. It, it was actually uh, he gave a shout out to where he had originally heard it from. As a refresher, the quote was, continue to validate your credentials, and I had kind of gone into a short little bit of, you know, just my own thoughts on it, and how uh, no matter what you've done in the past, you got to continue to do it, which I assume is what the quote means, certainly what it means to me, and uh, so I heard from uh, Sergeant Major Spadero that uh, that quote actually came from a gentleman by the name of, I'll probably mess this name up, but it's John Troxell, Uh, so... (laughs) Obviously, I don't know this gentleman. He was a uh, retired sergeant major from the Army, but I happened to look up what he had done because in his bio, it says that he's a retired U.S. Army third senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So I'm just a little nobody sergeant from the 2nd Marine Division. I don't even know what the third senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is. So me being the prior journalist that I am, I started digging and I just got to give a shout out. I'm not sure he'll hear this, but Troxel. I guess it's Sergeant Major. I don't know my Army ranks too well, but he's definitely like the highest rank in the Army. So I think that's Sergeant Major. So Sergeant Major Troxel served 37 years in the Army. And I was scanning through his bio. There's all these units, all these things he's, he's done. He literally did five combat tours of duty, including these are for the older folks out there who have a memory. Making the Combat Parachute Jump, and Operation Just Cause in Panama. That goes back a bit. Um, then also Operation Operation Desert Shield and Storm, Two Tours, and Operation Iraqi Freedom, and also Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. So, wow, Sergeant Major, if by chance you hear this, oh my word, you have my highest level of respect. Uh, I, I would... I would literally lay on the ground and let you walk across me with fire and glass under me. Because, sir, you have, my word, you have done some things. So, um, at any rate, if Sergeant Major hears it, that's awesome. But uh, back to uh, Sergeant Major Spadero, He not only wanted to, obviously, credit the gentleman who had made that comment. But he actually sent another one, and it is, again, just another amazing one. So I guess I'm going to have to like start paying him a weekly fee or something if he keeps sending such great content. But he had sent another one to follow that up, and the quote is this. Worry about your disposition and not your position. How amazing is that one? Again, it's worry about your disposition and not your position. Which to me, of course, means Worry about your own mental attitude, how you're carrying yourself, etc. Don't worry about what position you're in. All of that's going to take care of itself. So if you didn't get the promotion you thought you deserved or you haven't been recognized for what you're doing, just keep doing what you're doing. Crank it up even higher. Go 120 this week, next month, this year. And uh, I think it's going to work out for you. And then finally, I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I don't think you can end on a better one than that. So I think that's the one I'm going to keep ending on for a while until something blows me away. But I really appreciate everyone joining us this week on The View from the Front. Make sure to visit our website, stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. From there, you, you can subscribe to the show. Or, of course, you can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or your other favorite channel. Whichever it is, I really appreciate if you subscribe. That'll keep you from missing a show. While you're at it, if you found you know if you enjoyed it, give us a rating on iTunes. We're still trying to get some ratings there. New show, so hey, I I wouldn't expect to have many at this point. And of course, if you're enjoying it, definitely tell a friend. And finally, I always have to mention um, if you you can throw in a couple bucks in the hat by subscribing, that would help sustain and improve the show. And I got big dreams for the show, so we'll see where this goes. But if you're enjoying it, you know throw a couple bucks in because that's going to help me get where I want to get as far as where I want to take the show because I've said before in some of the earlier episodes I'm still uh, doing the full-time job thing not complaining at all you go with uh, you fight with what you got and you do with what you you know what you can with what you have so uh, definitely not making any complaints about that but it would be pretty freaking awesome if I could do this with uh, a little bit better um, research a little bit more time maybe more days a week. I don't know. I got some crazy dreams, guys. So, uh, but again, I'm really appreciative that, uh, each of you have joined us today and, uh, I hope you have a great weekend and don't forget, you can always check out my books. I've written 11 of them on everything, all kinds of action-packed books and, um, various different wars. And I've also got a couple of series, but, uh, some good stuff out there, but no matter what this weekend, if you, uh, you got that little thing in the back of your mind that keeps you up at night, or in your heart, you're supposed to be doing something you're not doing, I hope you uh, lose a little sleep if you don't do it. And I, I really hope you actually take that first step if you haven't already. If you're already taking that step, I hope you uh, push the pedal to the metal. Work hard on it this weekend. We all uh, don't have much time. I know everyone's got family commitments and everything. Stay up a little later if you can. Maybe wake up a little earlier. Don't let that dream just lay there and get dusty. Get after it, okay, guys? All right, that's it. I'm out.